Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sira, and much more. Inshallah, in today's uh, fiqh topic, we'll be talking about uh, interfaith. Um, uh, and uh, there's, a, there's a couple of reasons that I really wanted to discuss this topic. One is uh, uh, in current times, uh, even last week, for example, Pope was visit- visiting Iraq and uh, uh, promoting more interfaith uh, among the Muslims. Uh, idea here is to just to understand where did this whole concept of interfaith dialogues or interfaith uh, uh, come from and uh, what are the goals of the interfaith and uh, wh- how, do, how do we look at it from the Islamic perspective? So uh, inshallah, um, in the, today's topic, we'll talk about that. And it has a, a lot to do with, of course, uh, uh, some of the fundamentals of Islam, and uh, it's important for us to understand this concept. Uh, uh, and we are not talking about the sincerity of the people; it's more of uh, the concept itself, inshallah. Okay. Uh, when it comes to uh, this, the, the topics that we'll talk about will be first uh, is the objective of the dawah, inshallah. Uh, quickly, we'll skim through it. What, are, what what is the objective of the dawah of Islam? Second, what is the history of uh, interfaith? Then, what are the justifications that have been used for the interfaith? And the uh, recommendations of conferences. Uh, uh, conference participants. I will talk about which conference we're talking about when we talk about the history of the interfaith as well. And then uh, what is uh, Abrahamic religions uh, or what is pre- presented as Abrahamic religions. And then we'll talk for, for what are the linguistic issues along with uh, Abrahamic religions uh, or uh, and um, Shari issues and the issue concerning the sons of Ibrahim, uh, meaning uh, referring to all the religions which came from the children of Ibrahim meaning Judaism, Christianity and Islam. Uh, if, if there is an issue or not. So we'll talk about that as well. Now, uh, the number one thing to understand here about the objective of the da'wah is uh, inviting non-Muslims uh, to Islam is something Allah Azza wa Jal has made obligatory on the Muslims. So this is not something new for the Muslims now after uh, 14, plus, 14 centuries plus decades uh, on top of them. Uh, after Rasulullah passed away. Muslims have been doing the da'wah of Islam from the time of Rasulullah until today, and they will continue to do that because this is an obligation. So it is not something only specific for the the Ahlul Kitab. Ahlul Kitab, when we say in Islam, it, it is referring to the Jews and the Christians. So it's not referring to only the people of the book or Ahlul Kitab, rather Islam, the da'wah of Islam for all the people. Okay, so uh, whether they are um, uh, Jews, Christians, Hindus, Buddhists, or, or whatsoever, or the no religion, uh, 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 this is an obligation of on the Muslims to call the people towards Islam. And for that, Allah Azza wa Jal actually uh, mentions that in Surah Al-Nahl, where Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la says, um, okay, أُدُعُ عَلَىٰ سَبِيْهِ رَبِّكَ بِالْحِكْمَةِ وَالْمُعَيْزَةِ الْحَسَنَةِ وَجَادِلْهُمْ بِالَّتِي هِيَ أَحْسَنَةِ Allah Azza wa Jal mentioning here and uh, actually commanding Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam 
that uh, to call towards Islam, uh, your path, the path of Allah, your Rabb, which is Islam, with the, uh, with the wisdom. And uh, uh, fair preaching. And argue with them in a way that is good, that is better. Uh, uh, now here, um, of course, when Rasulullah is addressed, even though the khitab is to Rasulullah it is directed to the whole ummah. Uh, we know the basic rule of that is if something is um, uh, commanded to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. It is commanded to all of us, except if there is a qarina that shows that that specific command was uh, for uh, uh, for specifically for Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Then it does not apply to us. But here that applies to the Muslim ummah as well. So it is so for the Muslims that we should call when we call to the people call people towards the Deen of Allah subhanahu wa taala to Islam. We should be calling for with the hikmah. Okay. And uh, uh, hikmah here means, as Ibn Jarir actually mentions uh, uh, when he's doing the tafsir uh, of this, this ayah, Ibn Kathir mentioned about that, that Ibn Jarir said hikmah here specifically means that is the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, meaning the bil uh, hikmah with the Quran, with the sunnah of Rasulullah, with the, with the wahi that was revealed to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So call the people with the wahi, the meaning it's not that we devise our own. A way of uh, doing the da'wah and come up with uh, our own methodology of the da'wah. Uh, uh, and I, I want to make sure that we understand that there's a distinction between uh, a method and uh, a mean that is used for the da'wah. For example, a method uh, is the Rasulullah showed us, for example, in the Makki era, there was a different way Rasulullah was carrying the da'wah compared to when he, uh, he migrated to Medina. But when it comes to the means, means mean that uh, the tools that you use, the tools can change with time, for example. And in those cases, in the case of Rasulullah, for example, when he was in Mecca, he uh, he climbed over the mountain to call the call his tribes to give them the message of Islam. So today uh, we don't have to look for a mountain and say no, this is uh, uh, to call the people to Islam. Rather, uh, we right now we are talking on uh, through the internet and we can reach out to many people at different places, uh, different parts of the world. Uh, so uh, the, the, this is called the means, and the means can, can can change with the time and stuff. But when it comes to the method, that does not change. So uh, the, the, that's that's what it's referring to the, the da'wah. As well, so uh, there's a method that Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam showed us, and we have to follow that method. And Ma'izat al Hasana means here, as as the Mufassirin discussed this idea, is it's talking about the uh, uh, with the fair arguments uh, or, or the lessons that you learn from the previous uh, nations, uh, what happened to them, learn from them. Jihad al here, Hasan, and and discuss with them in a better way. Uh, so idea is to convey the message of Islam to them. Okay. Now, of course, the, the, the Hassan is also defined by, uh, or the Hassan in general in Islam, what is good and what is ugly is defined by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well. Okay. Now, uh, not only that, also Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he wrote the letters, for example, to uh, different kings and governors and, uh, and the walis of different areas uh, uh, who are ruling uh, outside the Islamic State uh, to call them towards Islam. For example, this is part of the letter that was, uh, was sent to Hiraqal, uh, the Roman Emperor. Rasulullah mentioned in that uh, letter that verily, I invite you with the call of Islam, embrace Islam and you shall be safe and Allah will grant you 
the reward twice because Herakl was uh, uh, from, from Ahl al-Kitab. And if you turn away, then upon you will bear the sin of the people under your rule, meaning the subject that you have all under you, you will bear their sin as well because you are the one who were becoming the cause of misguidance to the people. So see here, Rasulullah was doing the da'wah uh, to the individuals and, uh, and then once, uh, once he had the, uh, the, he had the power, he had the authority, he reached out to the other nations as well and to, to the kings and the, uh, whoever were ruling at that time, different places, Rasulullah reached, reached out to them and called them towards Islam. So this da'wah, towards Islam is an obligation and that can be seen uh, all the time. So uh, our call to the non-Muslim is an invitation to have conviction in Islam and to abandon kufr. That, that's the idea. We can see that, that Rasulullah is telling him, if you don't accept Islam, then uh, 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 then you you are under the sin and you can, you'll be, you can be punished by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's what uh, it means by here when, uh, when we talk about the da'wah of Islam. Once the people who have received the message of Islam and they is still rejected. Now, from the Islamic perspective, they are uh, uh, they, they, are, they are doing the kufr and uh, they, they can be punished by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, so that's what it means by the da'wah, first of all. Uh, it's uh, Now, when it comes to the interfaith, um, before I go into the history of the interfaith, I just want to make sure one thing that is clear. Because a lot of time, uh, the interfaith is presented as uh, something... Uh, that the people of different religions are fighting with each other, and uh, we uh, this is a, a new method that we have devised to bring the people at peace and to bring the, the create the harmony among the people and all that. Um, uh, and uh, uh, and the funny thing is, it's actually Islam is the religion. Islam is the deen that is the one who really provided people how to live with peace and harmony, even though. You are carrying different uh, uh, at the end. You are part of different religion, for example. Uh, but it's, uh, and Islam allows them to, uh, Islam, uh, as a matter of fact, in Islam, it, there's no compulsion in deen, that you cannot force. There's no uh, compulsion in deen that you cannot force somebody to become a Muslim. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given the choice to the people whether they want to become Muslim or they don't want to become a Muslim. That's up to them. And uh, they will be judged by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala according to what they do. So now uh, Islam is the one that came and gave the rights to the people who chose to continue to be uh, non-Muslims under Islam. And uh, Islam protected them actually, which is referred as Ahl Dhimma or the, the Dhimmi or uh, referred to them as Mu'ahid or the one who are under the uh, under some sort of a covenant with the Muslim Islamic State. And Islam and the uh, Islamic State and the Muslims, they protected them for throughout the centuries. And uh, the evidence for that is can be seen in all the Muslim lands, including the Arab lands and the Ajam, Arab and the non-Arab lands. We can see that, that is still there are temples, there are churches, there are synagogues, which are hundreds and hundreds of years old, centuries old, and they were not destroyed, they are still, they are still there. So uh, uh, that's, uh, and the people, they continue to be there for generations through generations, they kept their faith. Whether it's in India, when Muslims ruled for about 800 years, you can see that if you look at the Indian subcontinent, uh, where after ruling for about 800 years, if you look at the numbers wise, the majority of the people are still not Muslim. It's not, and it, that shows that people were not forced to accept 
uh, Islam. It was to, up to their choice. And we can still go back to Lebanon, Jordan, Palestine, uh, Iraq, Syria, uh, and on and on different regions of the world that the people, uh, they continue to keep their faith. So Islam allowed them uh, to do that. I, I, I sometimes mention this story, actually. Uh, one time uh, I was taking a course in Middle Eastern history and um, uh, unfortunately the teacher I, I had was uh, a bit biased and tried to say that uh, as if uh, Muslims were, uh, Islam was spread over the sword and they forced the people to become Muslim and it happened to be. I had a, a, a classmate who was a Christian from Syria and he is the one who raised his hand and he said, what you're saying is not true because he lived in Syria throughout his life and his ancestors continued to be Christians throughout his uh, uh, generations through generations and nobody forced them to become, uh, become Muslim. Uh, and he corrected her actually at that time. That was, subhanAllah, uh, 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 you can see uh, a proof right in front of you, in front of your eyes at that time. And uh, obviously she had nothing to say to respond back to him because the, he himself was the proof, a living proof. Okay, now going to the history of uh, interfaith. So why the history uh, the interfaith was started? So interfaith, uh, uh, first of all, was not started by Muslims. A lot of time today we think as if uh, it is started by the Muslims and that Muslims are doing the da'wah through the interfaith, okay? Uh, and uh, maybe some of the Muslims, they think that they're doing the da'wah and we are not discussing the intentions of those brothers who are doing the inter interfaith thinking that they're doing the da'wah. This is between them and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Intentions are not the one that we are questioning or talking here. We're talking about the subject, what is interfaith? And we'll talk about uh, uh, what, how does Islam look at this, this, the way the interfaith has been done. Okay, so uh, interfaith was uh, 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 one of the main reasons it was started off was to actually to bring Muslims at, uh, at the same level as Christianity and Judaism to make it just a spiritual religion. And uh, to have debates with Christianity, Judaism, Islam, discuss with each other and, uh, and find uh, uh, what are the common things among you. And so you can live with each other when it comes to spirituality and leave the, the rest of the po po political aspect of the life affair to be dealt by democracy or capitalism, while uh, spirituality-wise doesn't matter which religion you follow. So that's the idea that Islam to 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 pull the Muslims in the direction that leave your Islam as a way of life. So in 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 essence, you come up with actually a new religion, right? Uh, which is a hodgepodge of different kinds of religion, and we'll see what I mean by that. So it was started in 1932 when France sent representatives to uh, confer with the uh, scholars of the Al-Azhar. Uh, the idea was uniting these three religions, Judaism, Christianity, and uh, Islam. So it started off like that. Then there was a conference happened in, in, in Paris in 1933, and it was attended by uh, Orientalists. Orientalists are those people who are who learn about Islam. They're not Muslim, but learn, they learn about Islam. And a lot of time, they actually use Islam uh, to show to the Muslims, uh, to put some sort of a doubts in Islam or to uh, come out as, uh, to show the, the mistakes, uh, what they think are the mistakes. Uh, not that if somebody finds a, a mistake, Muslims are not there to show them that what you are considering as a mistake may not be a mistake. So we are always open to discuss whatever anybody brings it up. Anyway, so these are the people who learn about Islam and they preach and then uh, they, they preached actually more of a work against the Muslims. And then missionaries, uh, uh, the, these are the people who go to 
um, different lands and they started to spread Christianity. So these are the people who, who attended from universities in France, England, Switzerland, America, Italy, Poland, Spain, Turkey, and others. Uh, and then well, also there was a conference uh, of world religion uh, was held in 1936. Uh, there are different uh, names. You sometimes you find the conference of the world faiths or uh, uh, world parliament uh, of, of religions. Uh, they were created with different names sometimes. Uh, in 19, but after this 1936, so it kind of cooled down because there was the Second World War and not much happened uh, after the World War. But then 1964, Pope Paolo VI, he sent a letter in which he called the dialogue between the religions. And then in Vatican, uh, the Vatican published a book in 1969 with the title Guide to Dialogue Between Muslims and Christians. In 17 and 80s, more than about 13 interfaith, uh, intercultural meetings and conferences were held. So see, the numbers are still very small. It was happening for decades and it's still in 2030 meetings and conferences happen. And then in 1974, the World Conference of Religion and Peace held in Belgium. And that was attended by about 400 delegates from various world religions. Even though it started off for Jews, Christians and Muslims, and then they tried to bring the other ones also because it started off to, to, to get the Muslims uh, uh, and merge them into this kind of a thinking of that uh, we are all same religion. Uh, nobody can say any bad thing about any other religion and uh, uh, all the religions are, uh, can be considered, looked at as correct um, uh, and so on. But uh, anyways, uh, uh, then in 1974 in Cordoba or Cordoba in, in Spain, and that was attended by Muslims and Christians represented from 23 countries. Similarly, there was another one that happened uh, the Christian Muslim Assembly in Cortaj in uh, Tunis in 1979. And then really it picked up in 1990s. This whole interfaith dialogue became more active. Before that, it was uh, still somewhat dead. It was not really picking up any kind of uh, uh, attraction. And in 90s, it, and then after 9-11, you start seeing that many massages uh, it has been presented as an alternative to the da'wah as, uh, because look, uh, uh, Muslims understand that da'wah is something that is obligatory. So you have to label it somehow that people start looking at it as now I am doing something for the sake of Islam. After post 9-11, it became so much uh, 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 common that uh, pretty much all the major masajid and the uh, MSAs and different universities, uh, they started calling for having interfaith. So now we really have to understand what is this interfaith that they were calling for? And the, uh, the and main justification that was given for that was in general to unite the different religions, including Jews, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Uh, it was more against the Soviets because Soviets were the considered uh, were the ones who were the communists, and they were uh, uh, what do you call uh, uh, they, they, they were the uh, atheists, the one who do not believe in any kind of religion, and uh, so communism considered as oh well that's the danger for the religions because that will come and destroy all the religions, and uh, it, it, to a certain extent it is correct because communism does talk about uh, the uh, no, no religion or no religion uh, religious uh, freedom and stuff like that, but uh, we are talking about the areas where those, there was no communism. And uh, in those regions, you're talking about uh, taking communism as the threat. So let's connect all the religions together. But th that's actually kind of a contradictory because in reality, the main idea was to com com combine the religion in a, in a manner that they talk about 
religion as just a spiritual way of life and other part of life will be controlled by other uh, systems of life, not the one from the God. Uh, as a Muslim, we understand when we, uh, we're talking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who gives, the, uh, who, have, who has given the complete comprehensive way of life to live and abide by. Okay, so, uh, so the, their distribution was, they sought to define truth in relative term, emphasizing that no individual and no religion could claim sole ownership of the truth. See, so now you, uh, that, see, it looks very nice when you say you're talking about the unity and all those things, but underlying you are compromising on uh, even the basic definitions of truth even, that what is a truth? So everything becomes uh, 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 subjective, uh, the, uh, the, uh, open for interpretation, meaning that uh, uh, it's like a, a, a you're trying to say, even though you are saying completely opposite things and you're saying, no, they're all same and they're all true, they, or they can all be equally right, which is, which is incorrect from any rational perspective okay now so what were the main recommendations that were presented in these conferences uh, to the participants it was presented as devising and adopting new meanings of uh, uh, provisions for words uh, somehow i have a word letter nine such as disbelief what is kufr what does it mean by atheist what does it mean by polytheism or uh, belief or Islam, moderation, extremism and fundamentalism. So they started defining these terms. Uh, like for example, you, uh, you cannot call anybody a kafir, even though kafir is a term that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that used. Okay, or uh, uh, and talking, the defining, what does it mean by extremism and fundamentalism? I mean, uh, uh, Islam of course talks about the issue of uh, what does it mean by extremism? For example, the hadith of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam when three of the Sahaba came to, uh, they, and they were talking about one of them, he said, because they were comparing themselves to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and they said, one of them said, he will never sleep during the night, meaning he will do Qiyamul Layl, always pray during the night time. The second one says, he will never marry uh, a woman. So, uh, and the third one said that he will fast uh, throughout his life. And when Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when he heard about that, uh, he, he was very angry at them. Because this is not something from Islam. Uh, so some came out and he said, I am the, the, uh, I am the one who has the most taqwa among you. And I fast and I break fast. Meaning I, I do not fast the throughout uh, 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 365 days a year. Uh, or in Islamic calendar, 355 days a year. Uh, or uh, he said that, uh, and uh, uh, he, he, he fasts and he breaks fast. He, and during the night, he, there's a part of the night, he sleeps. And as a part of the night, he uh, uh, do the qiyam, meaning the worship of Allah Azza wa And also he says, he, he marries. Uh, so uh, all those cases, he showed them that you cannot just take the extreme. So these kind of things, of course, Islam also talks about that. But here, it more became fundamentalism and extremism is defined as a, a, a Muslim who wants to stick with the fundamentals of Islam, the one who wants to follow the principles of Islam, or in other words, if you want to call him, a person who sticks with the principles of Islam, uh, in English, you would say, oh, he's a man of principle. Well, man of principle is something good, but when you say oh, he's a man of fundamental, of, of, as a fundamentalist, then he's wrong. So uh, he's a bad person. So these terminologies were defined. Moderation was defined. Well, moderation means you are always flexible, even though Islam says something, but you are willing to take something which is non-Islamic also in the middle. So the, 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 this is not called uh, Islam. So you're coming up or devising ways of coming up with a new religion. Similarly, 
identifying uh, shared elements in the three religions, which would include creed, morals, and culture, to place emphasis on positive cooperation between them, uh, between the religions and culture. Since all types of the, uh, all the people of the book were accepted as believers and worshippers of Allah. See now. You have come up with another term of everybody is a believer. Allah Azzawajal is the one who is distinguishing. He is the one who is distinguishing between the people who are believers and who are not believers. The one who are mu'min or the Muslim and the one who are kuffar. Allah is the one who have categorized it. And it, see, being a kafir, the word kafir itself is not a derogatory term. Allah Azzawajal is just using a label for defining the people who have rejected Islam. Simple as that. Uh, and the ones who have rejected, they do not care what they are called because this is not a derogatory term. This is just a term. Uh, uh, and the, worship, the other term was used was worshippers of Allah. Everybody is a worshiper of Allah. And then formation of a joint document on human rights uh, to permit peace and coexistence between the followers of different religions. Uh, look, all these things seem from the reading these just terminologies like that seem very nice, but in reality. Who's the one who's deciding what is peace? What does it mean by coexist together properly with different rules? So if, if it's a human being is the one who's coming up with the rules and regulations, which means that you are, you've given this idea that majority of the people will go and decide. So Allah has been taken out of the equation, even when we are discussing the harmony between the religion. So that's the problematic, the, one of the biggest problem here. Uh, so they are they are taking the, the Islam completely out of the politics when they are ex explaining this uh, interfaith like this. Then a comprehensive review of the history and education curricula, so they become free of any incitement or hatred. Religious education would be considered part of basic humanitarian studies that aim to create personalities open to human cultures with mutual understanding of others. Therefore, the study of certain beliefs and worships had to be disqualified. So if, if the Islam talks about something that does not feel right to the other religions, then that part of the Islam has to be taken out. Or do not talk about those things. Like, you know, recently, probably you guys uh, have heard about that. There's a person named Wasim, uh, I forgot his last name, in India. He proposed to take 26 ayat of the Quran. To, to be taken out. And, his, uh, uh, and he put the case also. Now, uh, according to these laws and rules and regulations, people can do whatever they want. They go and change whatever they feel like. But in Islamic, in Islam, we don't do this because if it's a word of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, it's not up to the man to decide what he can take out and what he can remove. Whatever, whatever reasons he was using that that is irrelevant. Okay. Now, uh, and then raising interest in studying the following subject and form for formulating unified concepts of them: justice, peace, women rights, human rights, democracy work morals, pluralism, freedom, world peace. See, again, all those terminologies, uh, it has been bombarded with the idea that you start liking these idea terminologies, not realizing what exactly they are saying. Where are they coming from? Are these definitions coming from the unbiased creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who knows everything from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or the men? And when you go into the detail, you realize that all this is defined by the, by, the, by, by the majority of the people, by the democratic means, which means you have given this right to the men or whatever number, whether it's the majority, whether it's one person, 10 people, or, or whoever those people are at the end of the day, this is the creation of Allah is trying to do something that is 
that is only belong to the creator, which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when they come up and they define what is pluralism, what is freedom, what is world peace, they do it from their benefit perspective. And whoever has power, they define the, those, those definitions according to their, 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 their benefit. Okay. So, uh, so what, what is Abrahamic religions now? So that, that was the, those, those are the main points that they were trying to promote. What is Abrahamic religion? So uh, Jews, Christian, and Muslims all derive their ancestry to one father, and he is Ibrahim or Ibrahim Therefore, it is incumbent on the followers of these religions to live together in peace because they are descendants from one origin in lineage and religion. Okay, so uh, that, that's, that's what the main definition of Abrahamic religion is now. So that means this justifies the participation of the Jews, Christian, Muslim in their guardianship over Jerusalem, Al-Quds. That, that's what one of the aspects of that is now, because they're all from the same religion, so they all have the, 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 the guardianship or the ownership over that. So whatever the Muslims have been doing, whatever Omar bin Khattab did to open Jerusalem, whatever Salah al-Din Ayyubi did to, to, to open the, the Jerusalem, or whatever uh, 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 Sultan Abdul Hamid II, when the, the Jews went to pay him a price to buy the land of Palestine, when he said that this does not belong to him to give to sell it to the people, it belongs to the Ummah, uh, uh, and if uh, if uh, you, you can, they can take, they, uh, he cannot sell this by the price of millions of pounds that they were given. Uh, if they really want to have it, they have to uh, go over his dead body, basically. And they did prove that after they destroyed the Khilafah in 1924 and 19, uh, uh, in 1948, they, they took it without any price. So, uh, so the, then because of this, they say, okay, well, they all have the uh, equal rights. So the forget about that uh, it should be ruled by the rules of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It should be up to sight like that. Okay, so that's one aspect. Other part is, what is the problem with this whole idea of Abrahamic religion. Number one, it is a linguistic issue along with it. Number two, there's a Shari issue involved. And then third, about the issue of, because they're referring to them as the children of Ibrahim sons of Ibrahim are the ones who were the prophets who uh, 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 are looked at as the leaders of those specific religions. Hence, uh, they should be all together. So what are those issues? So first, let's look into the linguistic issue. So now the word Aslama, when we talk about Islam, in its, uh, it's coming from the Aslama. In its linguistic meaning means Inqad or in Qadr, to, to, to submit. And Allah, uh, Quran has used this with this meaning in the stories of the prophets and describing their followers who submitted to the order of Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala called them as Muslimin. The people who were following different prophets were referred as Muslimin. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about Nuh alayhi salatu wasalam, in ajriya illa ala Allahi wa umirtu anakuna min al-Muslimin. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about on the tongue of Nuh alayhi salam, he says, my reward is only with Allah, and I have been commanded to be one of the Muslim. Anakuna min al Okay, Muslim here means those who submit to the will of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Okay, then similarly, Ibrahim and Ismail alayhi salam, they said, "Rabbana wajalna Muslimaini laka wa min duriyatina ummatam Muslimatan lak." Oh, our Lord, make us both of us, because he said, "Wajalna Muslimain." Muslimain is two Muslims. So, two, two as Muslim, two of them. That make us su uh, submitting to you unto you and for uh, of uh, our uh, of our uh, of our offspring a nation submissive meaning muslimah which is the one who uh, submit to the will of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala again so they refer to him as the muslim now 
now he, and also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala about Lut alayhi salam, he said, فَمَا وَجَدْنَ فِيهَا غَيْرَ بَيْتٍ مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ but we found not there any household of the Muslim except one of the Lut salam, which was the uh, and, uh, Lut and his two daughters. Okay, so again, they were referred as the one who ref submit to the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And also Musa alayhi salam, فَعَلَيْهِ تَوَكَّلُوا إِن كُنْتُ مُسْلِمِينَ And then put your trust in him if you are Muslims, if you are the one who submit to the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And uh, the Hawariyun, Hawariyun were the disciples or the followers of Isa alayhi salatu wasalam. They said, Amanna billahi wa ashhad bi anna muslimun. We believe in Allah and bear witness that we are Muslims. We are the one who submit to the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the word muslimun found in ayat means the, the, those who have submitted. Okay. So these are the munqadun. These are the one who submitted to the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, Continuing on, so that's that part about that they were all submitting the will of Allah. But, but we also know that each prophet was sent with a different sharia. Okay, so each prophet was sent, he, each messenger sent with a different sharia. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala We have prescribed a sharia or a law in a clear way for each nation. Okay, so this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. So now, uh, that's about that. So when the wahi came down to Rasulullah sallallahu and that came in Arabic language, and then transferred them from their conventional linguistic meaning to sharai meaning, which is the sharia text from the Quran and Sunnah have clarified it. One of these transfer expressions is the word Islam, which linguistic, linguistically used to mean submission, okay, uh, and became a sharai meaning. So the deen revealed by Allah to Rasulullah was uh, was the one which was Islam and have chosen for you Islam as your deen. So th that deen, that Sharia, was not in the time of Ibrahim, Lut, or uh, 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 or Isa and the previous prophets, because the Sharia of Muhammad وسلم, was different than the other prophets. So this is the difference. When you talk about they were Muslims, it was referring to that they, from the Aqidah perspective, they believe in the same Aqidah of La ilaha illallah. Uh, but when it comes to the Sharia as a way of life, it was different for different nations. And Rasulullah was the last messenger. And Allah subhanahu wa says, after Rasulullah was sent into this world, he says, And whosoever seeks a religion other than Islam, it will never be accepted of him, and in the hereafter, he will be one of the losers. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, Rasulullah also mentioned, Islam has been built on five, right? So, so uh, 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 that uh, Islam is built on five, this is a hadith of Rasulullah. We know that other adiyan, other religion, Christianity, Judaism, uh, were not built on five things. The the five we talk about, the, the shahadatain, uh, the, the salah, zakah, hajj, and, uh, and fasting. Uh, so, uh, but Islam is built. So that means the Islam we are discussing here is the one that was revealed to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Okay. Now, other aspect of that is that after divine transference of the meaning from, uh, of the word Islam, the word derived from it such as the verb inactive participle like uh, aslama and muslim, if used without the qarina, indicates the shari meaning only. If the conventional linguistic meaning is intended, this would then require a qarina to change it from shari meaning. Meaning, once Islam comes and defines certain terminology, then all the time it will be used for by that meaning. Unless there is an indicator that shows that now we are going back to the linguistic. Okay. So now, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions about the Quran here, 
so we have to understand what does that mean here. Allah says, "Ma kana Ibrahim Yahudiyan, wala Nasraniyan, walakin kana Hanifam Muslima, wa ma kana min al-Mushrikin." Ibrahim was neither a Jew nor a Christian, but he was the true Muslim, Hanifa. Now, what does it mean? So, mean does that mean Ibrahim was following the Deen of Rasulullah or the the Deen meaning the Sharia that revealed Rasulullah? No, that was not the case. So, this one is talking about again. It takes us back to about the aqidah. So this does not mean that Ibrahim was on the deen that Rasulullah was revealed to Rasulullah. Rather, it means Ibrahim has submitted to Allah regarding that which Allah revealed to him, unlike the Jews and the Christians. Okay. Now, similarly, uh, uh, as for the statement that Rasulullah, Isa and Musa were on the deen of Ibrahim, uh, uh, it means that they were believing in the same aqidah Allah SWT Allah Azzawajal is saying that he has ordained for you the same uh, same uh, uh, deen or same religion, uh, Islam, which he ordained to Nuh and to which he has inspired to you, Muhammad Sallallahu and Isa and Musa Now here, it is again referring to what? It's talking about the aqidah. So the word deen in the ayah means the foundation of the deen, which is the aqidah. Okay, but when it comes to the way of life, like we have prescribed a law in a clear way for each nation. Okay, so that's that makes it different. Now, Shari aspects that was a linguistic part of it. Now, from the Shari perspective, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent Rasulullah as a seal of the Prophet, he's the last messenger, and there will be no messenger after him. He ordered them to leave whatever religion they were following prior to that, whether they were Ahlul Kitab or they were not the, from the Ahlul Kitab. All of them had to follow what Rasulullah brought. I mean, they had a choice. They can continue to be uh, not accepting Islam, but then there are the consequences on the day of judgment. But uh, uh, the, the acceptable deen in front of Allah Azza is one. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says in the Quran, for example, "Fa in hajjuka faqul aslam tu wajhiya lillahi wa man ittabaan wa qul lilladina utul kitaba wa lumiyina aslam tu fa in aslamu faqad ihtadu." So if they dispute with you, I have submitted myself, say I have submitted myself to Allah and those who follow me and say to those who were given the scripture, talking about the Yahud and Nasara, and to those who are illiterate, the Arabs, Umiyin, that do you also submit yourself to Allah? If they do, they are rightly guided. But if they turn away, your duty is only conveyed. The message Allah is all seer of his slaves. Okay, and also Allah Azza wa Jal talks about that in uh, Surah Al Bayyana when it says, "Lam yakun al-ladina kafaru min ahli al-kitab wal-mushakina munfakina hatta taatiyahum al-bayyana." Rasulu min Allah yatlu yatlu sohfa mutahara. Those who disbelieve from among the people of the book and the mushrikin, but not going to leave the disbelief until they came to them clear evidence. A messenger from, from, from Allah, uh, 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 the reciting the Quran purified pages. Okay, and then actually uh, uh, in the later part of the surah, Allah Azza also said, in the fiha," and the one who are from the Ahlul Kitab, the one who are from the Mushrikeen, from the polytheists, the one who are rejecting your Deen, then they will be in the hellfire. So it's not saying that you are from the uh, uh, from the Ahlul Kitab. So people of the book, you are Abrahamic religion, so it's okay, you can continue to follow your religion after Rasulullah brought the message. No. Islam came, Rasulullah came as the final messenger, and now the people have to 
believe in him, meaning to follow the Islam that he brought from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, so they are not, so as we can see that the Mushrik uh, Ahlul Kitab were not separated from, uh, when it comes to the Kufr, uh, uh, they were not separated from the Kufr except by the embracing of Islam. The, the message of Allah said, by the one in whose hand lies Muhammad's soul, no one from this Ummah, whether Yahud or Nasara, who hears about me and then dies without believing in what I have seen ascend with, except that he will be from the inhabitants of the fire. Okay, so it is very clear from that perspective. Now, the issue of the uh, sons of Ibrahim, inshallah, I'll, I'll, I'll finish in a couple of minutes. Okay, now, so the people talk about, well, they are all from the messengers that came, they were from the sons of, uh, of Prophet Ibrahim. That is true, but because when we talk about uh, Musa alayhi salam or Isa alayhi salam, they are from Bani Israel, meaning the, the lineage of Yaqub alayhi salam, who was the son of uh, Ishaq. Uh, salam, and Ishaq was the son of Ibrahim salam. while Rasulullah was from the lineage of the other son of Ibrahim, Ismail uh, salam. Okay. Now, so, uh, so they say, well, uh, well, they are from the same lineage. Well, the thing is in Islam, nationalism is haram. We cannot call people towards nationalism because from the Qawmiya perspective, from the, oh, I am from this tribe or this family, all these things uh, uh, as Rasulullah on the day of the last uh, of the Hajj that he, he performed, uh, he said that all those, uh, 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 these kind of a tribalism and all those things are under his feet. Now, uh, and so now we do not look at the people are one person is better than the other because he belonged to a family. Allah in front of Allah the one who's more honorable is the one who has more taqwa. It has nothing to do with family you're from. Uh, so it is not suitable for man because it is cannot bind one when talking about nationalism. This is, it is a bond arising from survival instinct. It is shallow and emotional in nature. It is not suitable for man because it cannot bind one human being with another if they differ in lineage. Uh, family or nationalistic bond is like a bond of sons of Ibrahim. It is rejected by the Sharia. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah is saying here, say Muhammad to them, if you, uh, 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 if you love your, uh, your, your father, your, your son, your, your wife, your kinder, your wealth, your, uh, 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 the one that you invested in, 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 in trade or the big houses that you're living in, if you love them more than Allah, his messenger and fighting the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then wait for the punishment from Allah, wait for the decree from Allah Azza wa Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not, uh, does not guide the, the fasiqeen, the, the transgressors. So now here, uh, it is very clear from that perspective also, this is not the thing that should be the matter of thinking that just because we're from a family, it makes anything. Plus on top of it, now to call any of us that, okay, who was linked to the uh, family of Ibrahim alayhi salam, it's all mishmash. We cannot really tell who's from the lineage of Yaqub alayhi salam or of uh, Ishaq alayhi salam or, or Ismail alayhi salam. Also, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, um, is above as uh, in every nationalistic family or benefit bond, Allah clarified the shallowness of this bond to previous messengers, for, by, for example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about Nuh alayhi salam, that when Nuh alayhi salam, when he made the dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَنَادَ النُوحُ نُوحُ رَبَّهُ فَقَالَ رَبِّ إِنِّي إِنَّ بْنِي مِنْ أَهْلِي وَإِنَّ عَدَكَ الْحَقِّ وَأَنْتَ أَحْكُمُ الْحَاكِمِينَ He's talking about his son who was drowning, 
And he says, oh my, oh, oh my Rabb, oh my Lord, verily my son is of my family. And certainly you promise, your promise is true. And you are the most just of the judges. He says, that because he was asking, because you promised me you're going to save my family. My son is drowning. Help me here. Save my son. And what did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Oh no, surely he is not of your family. Because verily his work is unrighteous. And do not ask me about the thing that you don't have the ilm of. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, uh, is making sure that, clarifying that these are not the kind of bonds that we go by. So Nuh alayhi salam, according to this surah, uh, the criteria is, uh, is not for, from his family to be saved because he did not believe in what Allah revealed to his father. So that, that, that was not sufficient what family you're from. So the call to the sons of Ibrahim today is a jahiliya, ignorant kind of a call to say that we're going to unite because we are from the, the, the sons of Ibrahim and polit, uh, it's a, a politically motivated call. It is forbidden to call for it and invite people to it. Okay, so that's all I had about uh, interfaith. So just to conclude, interfaith dialogue we talk about, this is not a call for the da'wah of Islam. It's more calling towards people sit together and to look for peace and harmony and uh, uh, not in the terms of, uh, I'm not trying to say that peace and harmony is not something good. Of course, you like to have peace and harmony with people, but peace and harmony has to come from Islam. Not to say that uh, you start leaving parts of Islam and start thinking that you can get peace and harmony by leaving certain parts of Islam and uh, uh, taking the one that works for you. So that's not the, that's no more Islam if we start trying to do that to gain the peace and harmony that is de designed by the man. Peace and harmony only comes through the message of Allah Azza wa Jalla. We'll stop here inshallah if there's any questions or comments. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, and Sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com.